You're listening to the Vikes Verified Podcast. in the booth welcome back vikings nation vikings sitting at 11 and 3 after the greatest comeback in nfl history matt the indianapolis colts what is it with matt ryan and blowing huge leads talk about comeback season what a game let's go best game i've witnessed in u.s bank stadium personally i know the miracle is probably up there but you're, you're talking history here it's a total tale of two halves. I'll tell you, in the first half, Insane. that place had no energy. Team didn't have energy. Fans were leaving. And then all of a sudden, you get one thing to go your way in the third, and we start building that momentum. And like Pat Pete said, just go down and score five touchdowns. That's what that offense did, and that's what it can do. Now the bigger thing is not putting ourselves in this situation, but what a comeback. Absolute electric environment, and I'm expecting the same thing this weekend against the Giants with the whiteout. Totally agree, Matt. I just can't believe... Uh, the 180-degree jump that this game took. First half, it seemed like not a single thing could go our way from us fork- forcing that fake punt, really, to try to get back in the game. Bunch of special teams blunders, Dalvin putting the ball on the ground. Uh, it seemed like we couldn't catch a break in that first half, and we're going to break down here exactly how we did do that and come back from this Incredible deficit, really. 33-0 at halftime, like you said, fans leaving the stands, uh, making the drive home, getting out of traffic early, uh, you name it. Things were not looking good for the Minnesota Vikings. Questions already arising. Are you sure you like Kevin O'Connell? You miss Mike Zimmer yet? Maybe we're the frauds everyone says we were. It's crazy how fast this stuff comes out of the woodwork when we're down big. But 33-0 is a very sizable lead. We're going to talk about what the Colts didn't do in this one to put it away. First of all, starting in the second half, I think what really set the tone was that first drive. K.J. Osborne really moved us down the field, was able to score a touchdown and kind of start things for us in the second half. What else did you see that turned the momentum in this one? I think it was actually the play before, a play or two before, when Jalen Rager had a run attempt. It was minus five yards, and there ended up being a taunting penalty. I think without that penalty... I don't know if we see that comeback that we did. I I truly believe that that was the momentum swing that the Vikings needed, or at least that was what started the momentum swing. Um, because without that, I don't think we, we put that touchdown in, and who knows. But, yeah, once we got that, I think KJ's play was huge. Ten receptions, over 100 yards, and a touchdown. I mean, solid day for him. And then you look at, really, the rest of the receiving core picked it all up, too. Jay Jettis had a great second half. Incredible. Thielen was solid, as always. Hawkinson, two-point conversion. Dalvin Cook, touchdown, receiving. I mean, they all pitched in, and you could tell the confidence that this offense had. I thought the Colts uh, playing uh, soft zone was very interesting in the second half. KOC dialed up a lot of stuff to basically tear that apart, and we saw that. The whole second half, Kirk Cousins was just dialing in, finding who he wanted, knowing what he needed, and we didn't see any really problems, you know, stopping our offense, which was encouraging to see. Now we need to figure out, you know, how we can do that again through the whole game because we can do this in spurts and we do it very well. I can't imagine what it would look like in a full game playing like that. I just think there's so much potential 
that this team hasn't even fully tapped into, to be quite honest. You're totally right, Matt. And I think just as every second went by in this second half, uh, one more glimmer of hope and thinking maybe the Vikings can win this game. It almost seemed like it was written, like it was destined the way we came back in that game. We're going to talk about our favorite part of the comeback, my personal favorite, Dalvin Cook. Uh, taking that screen to the house, a lot of good blocking out in front of him. You saw Ezra Cleveland moving on that play. Great to see the lineman cooking. But I think this just puts a lot of Dalvin haters to rest as well. I mean, it's very obvious that Dalvin still has an incredibly explosive That's running style. Uh, one Makes one cut, turns up the field. No one can catch him. Uh, he still has plenty of juice left in the tank, and I think that is not to be denied. Um Big-time players make big-time plays, and he's been doing it big with us for years. So that was my favorite part of the comeback. How about you? I thought, for me, the comeback, one of the biggest plays was, again, that fourth and one. I think this is the second or third time. Think about Detroit. There's, I think there's been a couple other situations at home where we come up with big stops on fourth and one. I don't know what it is, but our defense finds a way. Getting that stop was the game. If we don't get it, we, we don't get the ball back, and the game's over. So... Once again, the defense finds a way to get it stopped when it needs to the most. And I was honestly impressed with the way the defense played. The most blitz that we ever brought, it obviously affected Matt Ryan. Yes. Um, you know, they were making plays. They shut, they really didn't. If you look at the actual score, a lot of their scoring was either field goals or defensive touchdowns. They only gave up one touchdown. They played a great second half, holding them to three, held them to three points. Yep. You can't ask for it's much huge. more. That's what we need to see from Ed. Now my biggest thing is seeing it again and again. I want to see it this week against the Giants and specifically on the road against the Packers because our defense played significantly more aggressive and honestly better. Yeah, consistency is what it's going to take. We've been talking about it all year. Back to the fourth and one stop that you mentioned there. A huge stop on that QB sneak. You look at the third down play before that, Duke Shelley just chopping down Michael Pittman about a yard short of the sticks. And how can we not talk about Duke Shelley after another solid performance, highest graded player on the Vikings this week per PFF? I mean, this man's rise has been pretty un unbelievable. Undrafted guy out of K-State. Uh, people knew he had a lot of heart, but he is playing some inspired football right now. What do you think has been the secret to Duke's success besides confidence? Well, I think really Kevin O'Connell's instilled a lot of confidence in him, but also he said that when he was drafted by the Bears, he was mainly in the slot position. Mm -hmm. This year he's been playing more outside. He can play inside, which is the nice thing, but I think his ability to play outside now has played more to his strengths, and we're seeing that. He's being aggressive, jumping on balls, making plays, high PFF grade. I mean, it looks like we found ourselves a steal here and a guy that we could potentially get on a good contract to be a solid you know, fourth corner, third corner, even at most, I think is third. But I think that's a great fourth corner who you could give a cheap contract to and feel really good about. Yeah, like you said, a steal. I mean, this could be a real diamond in the rough for us. Uh, the way he's playing right now, obviously, it's a little bit smaller of a sample size. So not, you know, not quite ready to give him the crown quite yet. But like you said, I think he can survive on the outside. He's, you know, five eight, five foot nine. So over a long period of time and long sample size, I don't necessarily want to see him outside all the time. But then again, shorter guys, you know, Antoine Winfield, to be specific, and Vikings purple, um, it can definitely be done. And he's making it happen right now. Uh, he's producing. How do you think this this makes Cam Dancer feel, being healthy, not really taking a ton of reps last week? Uh, you think there's some kind of rift created there? Is this just pure teammates being happy for one another? No rift. I just think with winning cures everything, if we were in a losing season, there might be a little bit more of 
being selfish in a sense. I don't see that in either of these players. Obviously, Cam's not fully healthy, and that's the luxury of having a good record. You can afford to sit a guy like that because you have Duke Shelley, who's playing well. I think it's a great position to be in. I don't see a rift. And to me, Duke Shelley's been one of the biggest surprise performances. I'd be surprised, though, to hear a couple other surprise performances from yourself because I have a couple guys in mind, and we'll see if we're on the same page there. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say Brian Asamoah after that. Uh, After getting a good look at some of the things he put on tape, he's increasing in defensive snaps every week. I mean, I just think he's, he's like a bullet flying around the field. I mean, he's got a nose for the football, and he gets there fast. Um, and again, we talk about it every week, but Ryan Wright, I mean, coming up clutch again, he makes punt after punt. Um, he really deserved to be in the Pro Bowl. That's a snub. We'll talk about the other snubs in a little bit, but who is uh, in your surprise performance in mind? I mean, I think really of guys, it starts with Bradbury. He's had a great season, a Pro Bowl season. He's in the, he's one of the alternates. Yep. That just speaks to how good he's played. And then you look at a guy in Kiers Tonga, that's another low-key addition that we added but he's Big been body. playing 30 snaps a game recently has been playing very well in the run and is a guy that has contributed to this team so it seems like the vikings have found a way to have successful additions that are on a lower scale in terms of players and them being you know released and picked up they're hitting on these guys so it's good to see i think it's great there's even a couple more but Regardless, I think our team and their ability to identify talent is a good thing moving forward. I think you're right about identifying talent. I mean, shouts out to the scouting department and just the staff in general, I would say. I mean, like you said, KLC instilling confidence in some of these guys. Sometimes all it takes is, you know, a guy to get in the right scenario and have people believe in him for uh, stuff to start popping up like this on tape. Like Duke, for example, obviously didn't. You know, wasn't in this kind of zone when he was in Chicago. I think he's found kind of a home for himself here. And like you said, identifying talent. Uh, that's one of the things that separates teams in the National Football League. Uh, one more play that I wanted to get back to that was just just has to be talked about, and this one is Justin Jefferson just cooking Stephon Gilmore on that double move, the little whip fake to the sideline. I mean, does it get better than that? No, that that one you put on the highlight tape, that might be the starter of it, honestly. That was crispy against a very – very good corner. He's seen a lot Steven of routes Gilmore. in his day. Um, you know, at all, I, I read a thread that this all started back at a practice um, when Wes Phillips and KOC were in L.A. together. They came up because they were running routes with Cup. Cup realized that it wasn't there on the end, so he ran the out. That's what all started it. Jefferson, honestly, I think probably ran it better. He ran it better than guess. Cup, no question. But great to see. I can't wait to see what other tricks he has up his sleeve. Um, but the biggest thing for me coming off of this huge comeback performance and Jay Jetta's incredible route and really the whole team um, pulling together is how they can perform after this. Such an emotional game. Winning the NFC North. They're celebrating a huge comeback. You're in all the media. I mean, how do you see them performing on the Sunday? Do you think they, they can keep this going or are they going to come out kind of lackadaisical? Well, it's hard to say considering the game's actually on Saturday, Matt, but that's all right. Um, I see a, whoops, <laughs> I see an incredible energy coming in this one. Like you said, uh, coming off an emotional high, kind of like we did, uh, against the bills as well. Um, it's always tough to turn around the next week, um, and go put a good performance on tape. But I think that this is the type of week that, you know, we're geared up for. This is 
really has good implications for us in the seeding. Giants are another good NFC team. This could be a potential playoff matchup. So there's plenty on the line. And don't forget that this game is themed. There's a lot going into it. It's going to be wide out. going to be an incredible atmosphere in U.S. Bank Stadium. You know, players are fired up just to see that sea of white as it is. It's going to be incredible. But... I do think that this is a team that can give us problems. I'm not going to say that, you know, this is a 2-3-4 score win for the Vikings by any means. It's going to be another close game. They're talented, have a marquee back in Saquon Barkley. So um, it's going to be it's going to be another good matchup. One thing that I would like to see a little bit more consistency, though, I'm about to get into a little bit of a tangent. We've been positive enough, but the, the NFL officiating needs to be held accountable at this point. Uh, it's trash. Needs to be held accountable. You look at the last few weeks, just for us in general, but this is happening all over the league. I mean, you saw the Raiders, Keelan Cole, touchdown catch. You call that inbounds. You call Justin Jefferson's foot out of bounds the week before on a clear touchdown. And then we come in this week, and Chandon Sullivan makes two of the plays of his life, two of the best plays of his career, and both of them do not count. And matter of fact, they screw us on field position. I mean, this is just unbelievable. And how clear does it have to be for you guys to get these calls right? I mean, you can't you can't be taking things away from us, especially come playoff time. If that were to happen in a playoff game, uh, you, you might see some irrational decisions from Vikings fans. I'll tell you that. Yeah, they're going to have to tighten up. That stadium was on edge the whole game. Those refs looked scared at points um as after, they should after be, hearing the crowd it was very um intimidating you know hearing that noise and i think if we don't win that you know those guys would have got a lot more scrutinized from the media and fans and everybody um but to me the cherry on top was not only you miss two calls that that takes away touchdowns from us you call a face mask that's not and takes away a huge punt return from rager yep and then the cherry on top is that on chandon's second missed call he was so fired up that he ended up throwing his helmet and getting a 15 yard penalty. I mean, ridiculous. What other things could go wrong? The refs really need to be held accountable. The Washington New York game just last, you know, weekend was a huge example of it when Terry moved up to the line, yeah. asked him, said yes, and still threw the flake immediately. Yeah, was I digging mean, for it before the ball was even. And the stopped. pass interference in that end of the game. There's just so much that. And I know it's hard. It's easy to say after the fact, but they need to have a way to hold them more accountable because this can't happen. Just like you said, in the playoffs, if that happens, fans are going to be livid, coaches, players, everybody. It just is not what the, what anybody wants. So they need to find a way. And whether that's more, it could be more of a view. Like, why can't some of these plays be more viewable? I get you want to keep this, the, speed of the game up, but all at the same time, you need to make the right calls. So they need to find a way to balance that. I mean, it, I don't care how long it takes. If you need to go get on the phone with Gene Steratore or whatever, call New York and the executives, you need to get a second set of eyes on some of these calls. And anyone with a pair of eyes would have seen that the second one, the runner's not even close to hitting the ground yet. He's still running up the middle. Ball gets punched out. I mean, that cannot be missed. And someone needs to call in and reverse that call on site. I don't care if you have to make a change in the league's rules, how they operate, that needs to be overturned because that cannot happen for teams that are fighting for playoff position and fighting to make the playoffs in general. It's just no place for it. Big news dropping yesterday regarding the 2023 Pro Bowl, and the Vikings had five players who did make the team. I'm going to list them off. It starts with Andrew DePaula. Good for him. Uh, Zadarius Smith. TJ Hawkinson, 
Justin Jefferson, obviously, and Kirko Cousins. Yeah, it's it's a great crop of Pro Bowlers for us. Uh, quite a few snubs as well. I expect to see Christian Derrissaw in there for sure. Kenny Wong Wu in there for sure as a returner. Um, Where's the love for Ryan Wright? Yeah, you got to love Ryan Wright too. Rookie punter. He hasn't had a touchback yet this season. I mean, the dude is having a phenomenal year kicking the football. Um, we could go on and on. CJ Ham probably should have made it. Dalvin Cook should have made it. But you know what? That's not the goal we're going for. At the end of the day here in Vikings Nation, we've had our fair share, not to mention Harrison Smith as well, having a fantastic season turnover and pass defended-wise. Um, so some of these don't make any sense, but that's not the ultimate goal uh, in purple right now. We're focused on you know All-Pro and Super Bowl. You know, Pro Bowl is a little bit more of a consolation prize for us. We've got our sights set on bigger and better. Speaking of bigger and better, we've got – a big-time opponent coming to U.S. Bank Stadium this weekend, the newly resurged New York Giants, head by, led by Brian Dable, former offensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills, uh, really known for kind of cultivating Josh Allen and the way he kind of plays today, instilling a lot of confidence in him when he was young in the league. I think he's doing a great job in New York. They've got some dynamic players. Who do you think on the New York Giants kind of poses the biggest threat for us offensively? Starts with Saquon Barkley. I think that whole offense revolves around him. Daniel Jones doesn't scare me a ton. Their receivers don't scare me a ton, especially after trading away Kadarius Toney. Uh, I I think really if we can keep Saquon bottled up for the most part, it's going to help this defense keep them off the field, get our offense more opportunities to make plays. And this is a huge opportunity for us. Like you touched on before, I do think this is a potential playoff matchup based on seeding. Mm-hmm. And for us to get... Um, a true feel of how we can compete against these guys is going to be huge, and I expect um, a big-time performance, whiteout, need to keep winning for the seeding-wise, so to, for them to go out and dominate is going to be huge. Yeah, anything can happen here, too, right, with uh, Philadelphia. Uh, Gardner Minshew starting for them this week, so there's still plenty to play for here in the NFC. Um, looking at the rest of the offensive depth chart for the New York Giants, uh, receiving core, Darius Slayton, Isaiah Hodgins, Richie James, David Sills, Kenny Galladay. I mean, Yuck. what do you make of this group? It does not impress me whatsoever. I mean, ours is a complete 180 from this. It's a strength of our offense, and it's and it's a weakness of theirs. It's plain and simple. None of those guys scare me. If any of them do, it's Slayton. And I think this is a huge opportunity for the secondary to shut down these wide receivers and prove that they can make plays. They've been the ones who have been most criticized, giving up all these yards, getting beat over the top. Show that you can shut a wide receiver core down and and one that's a playoff team. Going into the playoffs, that's going to be huge for their confidence and momentum. I agree with you. I just There's no one that jumps off the page and really scares me from a skill position standpoint. They just don't have a ton of explosiveness. Granted, Richie Jane's you know good punt returner, pretty decent gadget guy, but... I don't see anyone taking the top off on us. They do have a solid offensive line, however, kind of anchored by Andrew Thomas, pretty comparable to Christian Derrissaw, both young, strong left tackles who are going to be great players for years to come. Uh, Their defense, however, is, uh, I would say, the side of the ball that probably has some more potential and talent. Looking at guys like Kayvon Thibodeau, top pick this last year, he's really gaining steam as of late. Dexter Lawrence has been a phenomenal nose tackle. Leonard Williams. Gets to the football. Yes, Leonard Williams in the middle. They got dudes. And Jalen Smith, maybe a little bit past his prime, but he's found a way to play some really good ball this year. Um, Julian Love at strong safety. They've they've really got a – a good core of guys, I think, right there that they can build around. And 
they're very stout defensively, so that'll pose a challenge for our pass game and run game to an extent. Yeah, the guy I'm most excited to watch on their end is, is Thibodeau. I think he can High present motor a guy. lot of challenges for us. It's going to be interesting if he goes against Darisar O'Neal. Regardless, that matchup is the one I'm going to be watching. But I think you're right. The whole D-line on is a concern, and it's going to be a test for this offensive line who has played well. But this might be one of their best tests. It's going to be similar to Washington. So for them to go out and play well uh, is going to speak volumes for these next couple of games. And to be quite honest, I think it does. We need to go out and dominate a game. Not come back, not have it a one score for the for everybody, the media, all the fans. I think it just gives us a certain comfort level to to realize that we can do that, and we need to do this at home in our final home game. Yeah, it'd be nice to win in a little bit different fashion, but it seems like we've been saying this damn near every week, Matt. It's is this finally the game that we take over and win by multiple scores? I think I've said it for like the past three weeks that we were going to have a double digit win. Still waiting for that. Um, is this the team we can do it against? We don't know, but I do know that there's a ton of momentum going into this one. You can expect one of the best crowds of the year. Uh, Christmas Eve, whiteout conditions in Minneapolis right now are absolutely treacherous. Um, you know Vikes Nation is going to show out. Yes, we're going to show out, but it's very fitting that this week's snowstorm and snow accumulation is timed up with the whiteout. Very impressive from the Vikings meteorology and marketing team. Um, it's been it's going to be a really electric collab this weekend. Yeah, I'm excited to see it. If you're going to the game, I mean, it's quite obvious. Wear white. The better, the better turnout that we have, the cooler that it is. This is something that they're going to try to do every year, once a year. So this being the first one is going to be the most interesting year, in my opinion. Set a tone. Let's set a tone. Let's show everybody what we can do as a fan base. We have such a passionate fan base. I'm expecting a great turnout. But I think it's just going to add to the electricity to U.S. Bank Stadium coming off a historic comeback. That place is going to be rocking. And I want to dive into some over-unders for this Saturday's matchup. I'm loving these holiday games. Ooh, man, it's been a really great season. We're in the holiday spirit. Nick, I'm going to start you off with their best weapon on offense, Saquon Barkley. Yep. I'm going to set his rushing line at 95 over-under. I'm going to go ahead and say I'm going to say under in this one. Um I think he he maybe does a little bit more damage in the screen game, receiving game. He's been catching the ball out of the backfield pretty well lately. Um so I'm going to hit the under. Okay. I'll keep it rolling. Switch it over to Danny Dimes. I'm going to set his interception line at one and a half. Can the secondary get two picks? Oh, it's just one. I think it's just one pick. I see a pick and a fumble this week. I don't think Danny. I think Danny's gotten pretty good as he gets a little bit older at limiting his mistakes. I see one pick for him. Okay. Well, I'm going to flip it over to our defensive side here and go to a guy in Sidarius Smith. I'm going to set his sack number at one over or under. Over. I think Z gets to him twice in this one. A um, lot to prove. I think he's an adrenaline player that feeds off a good atmosphere, and there's going to be a great home one this weekend. So I'm going to go over. Taking it back to you, we're going to go ahead and look at Justin Jefferson, the marquee player for the Minnesota Vikings. It seems like you can't count him out for 100 yards, so we're going to set his line at 140 yards. Ooh, I can't doubt the man. Uh, it sounds crazy, but I'm going to hammer – I'm going to, oh, man, 140, huh? 140. Come on, man. Ooh, 
I'm gonna okay. I'm I'm one eightying this. I'm gonna say he gets under. He goes over a hundred. I'm gonna say one twenty in a tutty. Okay. Well, obviously a great game under. either way, but it's gotten to the point where I have to start setting his line high because he's doing the shit week in and week out. Next up, Pro Bowler, midseason acquisition from the Detroit Lions, great addition, TJ Hawkinson. We've talked about him kind of getting a week where maybe he scores multiple touchdowns. Uh, so I'm going to set his line at one and a half touchdowns. Maybe a little bit hefty of a line, but I think this could be his two TD game. Yeah, this is this is the one I'll stick my head out for. I've been saying I think he's due for a multi-touchdown game. He's made so many you know impact plays and is just waiting to break out. I'm going to hammer the over. Let's see a TJ Hawkinson breakout, breakout game. Two tutties. Two tutties. I'm feeling it. Uh, it's going to happen. Next one's going to be a little bit unconventional, something we're maybe not used to. I'm going to go PFF grade. Wow. And say, are we going to get an over 65 from the recently hot Duke Shelley? Will he have another sound game from an assignment standpoint? Oh, yeah. I'm hammering over on that all day. I have a lot of trust in Duke Shelley and what he's been able to do so far for the Vikings. I think he had a a PFF score in the 80s just last yeah, week. Yeah, 83.9, I believe. I expect him to keep this going, especially against a weaker receiving core that the New York Giants have over all day. Yeah, he's kind of walking around with that swagger right now. I don't think he can be touched in the building. He's not going to back down from anyone, and New York Giants sure don't have dudes on the perimeter, so I think he can really get in their head and chop Darius Slayton down a couple times short of the first down markers. Yeah, and to be quite honest, I think – like we touched on, with everything that's gone on last week, with the whiteout happening this Saturday, um, seating at, at large, I'm going to go and dive into some predictions here. I'm going to say that the Vikings keep their winning ways at home, get to 12-3, and three, and finish with a final score of 30-17. to 17. I think we finally can get one that's not a one-score game. Who knows? Judging on the season, I might be wrong, but we're due for a game like that if you could say the least it certainly seems that way matt but we're starting to sound like some broken records up here in the booth week after week but guess what i'm getting on the train as well this is 24 13 vikes i think we see a little bit more of a stout performance from our defense one that doesn't you know give up a lot of points in the first half and also our special teams really tightens up this week uh, they play a pretty good game defensively but we're able to do enough on offense to win by 11. Regardless of the outcome, we need Vikes Nation to show out, wear your white, and bring the energy all game long. This one's a big one, and we need Vikes Nation at full capacity. Bring the juice this Saturday, baby. Christmas Eve football, happy holidays, whatever you celebrate. We're going to be celebrating a W this Saturday, baby. Skull Vikes. Happy holidays.